My name is Lily Madden, and I'm a proud Aranda, Bunjalung, Kalkadun woman from Gadigal country. The Daily Oz acknowledges that this podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people and pays respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander nations. We pay our respects to the first peoples of these countries, both past and present. Good morning and welcome to The Daily Oz. It's Monday the 12th of September. I'm Zara. I'm Billy. On Friday, we brought you the news that Queen Elizabeth II had died at the age of 96. She was, of course, our head of state here in Australia. In today's deep dive, we'll take you through what exactly Australia's head of state actually does. But first, Billy, what's making headlines this morning? Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has announced a National Day of Mourning for Queen Elizabeth II. It will fall on the 22nd of September and will be marked by a national public holiday. So for those of you in Victoria, it will be the day before your grand final public holiday. North Korea has passed a law enshrining the right to use preemptive nuclear strikes to protect itself. Leader Kim Jong-un said, and I quote, the significance of legislating nuclear weapons policy is to draw an irretrievable line so that there can be no bargaining over our nuclear weapons. Five people in New Zealand have died after a small charter boat capsized in what is believed to have been a collision with a whale. Kaikoura Police Sergeant Matt Boyce said, quote, this has been a tragic event and the police are providing support to those involved at this very difficult time. And today's good news. According to a report from Reuters, products made with forced labour will be banned in the EU under draft laws. We are set to see that proposal be announced tomorrow. Governor-General of the Commonwealth of Australia and members of the Federal Executive Council do now proclaim Prince Charles Philip Arthur George to be King Charles III, by grace of God, King of Australia and his realms and territories, Head of the Commonwealth, and with hearty and humble affection, we promise him faith and obedience. So that was Governor-General David Hurley, who officially proclaimed King Charles III the ruler of Australia yesterday, meaning that we now have a new head of state. Zara, can we start with what a head of state actually means and what they do? Okay, so Australia is a constitutional monarchy. The British monarch is our head of state, but it's important to note that the monarchy's power is limited by our constitution here in Australia. The Constitution establishes the Governor-General as the monarch's appointed representative. But again, the Governor-General's powers are limited. The Constitution gives our Parliament the power to make laws and the High Court the power to interpret them. So in practice, the Governor-General gives executive decision-making power to government ministers, people in Anthony Albanese's cabinet today. Right. So despite the fact that the monarchy is our head of state, it sounds like they don't actually have that much power because of our constitution. So it sounds like the power of the monarchy here in Australia is fairly symbolic in nature. In practice, mostly. The Governor-General, as the monarch's representative, acts on the advice of government ministers in all but very few circumstances. So we know that the powers are limited, but what powers does a Governor-General have? 
Okay, well, I'll be honest, it's only a few, and they're called reserve powers. These include the power to appoint and dismiss a prime minister. The Governor-General usually exercises these reserve powers according to generally agreed conventions. So, for example, by convention, the Governor-General appoints as Prime Minister whoever commands a majority of seats in the House of Reps, like he did when Anthony Albanese won at the last election. But there's also been one notable exception. Now, that exception came in 1975 when Governor-General Sir John Kerr controversially dismissed a sitting PM. His name was Gough Whitlam. Following his dismissal, Gough Whitlam famously quipped, Well, may we say, God save the Queen. Because nothing will save the Governor-General. My favourite line ever. There is no ambiguity in that line. And I know that after that dismissal, the Governor-General, John Kerr, became quite a well-known figure by virtue of the significance his actions had on the trajectory of Australian politics. But that's certainly not the usual. I know that Gough Whitlam is the only Prime Minister in Australia to have been ousted by a Governor-General. And I'd hazard a guess to say that most people wouldn't be able to name more than a few Governor-Generals throughout Australia's history. Well, the current Governor-General of Australia is David Hurley and he's been in the role since 2019. Keen listeners of this pod might be familiar with Hurley because we've spoken about him a fair bit in recent weeks. He was in the news after secretly swearing in Scott Morrison to a number of portfolios that were not known to the Australian public or to Scott Morrison's counterparts. So even though Governor-Generals usually don't play much of a role in, say, the day-to-day of Australian politics or certainly in the news cycle, we have heard a bit about Governor-Generals lately. You mentioning Scott Morrison there, that's a, I think that's a really good example of, of seeing how the Governor-General's powers are limited because I know that when he was asked about it, what he said was that I was just acting on behalf of the government. I was doing what they told me to do. Exactly. And that was fascinating and certainly brought to light the dynamics of that relationship. So now if we take a step back and examine the role of a head of state and the Governor-General in our country, there isn't necessarily a consensus, right? As with anything, there are always opposing views. So some Australians argue that Australia should become a republic and that would replace the British monarch with an Australian head of state. This would require a referendum to change the constitution and it wouldn't be the first one of its kind. In 1999, a referendum to establish a republic actually failed in Australia. The leader of the Yes campaign was someone you might be familiar with, former Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull. And it was really interesting on Friday after the Queen died, seeing that Turnbull was actually included on coverage of her death. He was fighting back tears on TV when I was watching and said that he had woken up with grief. Well, it's a morning of great sadness, I think, for all of us, uh, for Australians, for millions of people around the world. So it's interesting to note people's reactions to the Queen's death can coexist with their feelings about a republic or the monarchy more broadly. Now, if we come to the present, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese does support a republic and he's promised a referendum if Labor is elected to a second term of government. He's gone so far as to appoint the country's first assistant minister for the republic. His name is Matt Thistlethwaite. But 
All of that said, Albanese has made clear that he's prioritising a referendum on a voice to parliament first and doesn't want these two happening at the same time. So that means that any vote on a republic is unlikely to happen before 2025. So a potential referendum on whether or not Australia will become a republic will take some time to play out. Can you run us through what some of the more immediate implications of a new Australian head of state are? Yeah, so this week, Billy, you and I were meant to be heading to Canberra. It was meant to be a federal sitting week, but that's been suspended as part of a mourning period. And now our parliamentarians won't go back for at least two weeks Also, as we said in the headlines, PM Anthony Albanese announced yesterday that the 22nd of September will be a day of mourning and that will be marked by a public holiday. It's so fascinating to have a public holiday pop up, you know, with two weeks notice. We've never experienced that before. And an interesting quirk that we found out, unlike the UK, every state and territory in Australia has a rule where MPs don't have to be sworn in again by a new monarch. That is every state and territory except Victoria. The Victorian Parliament is heading into its last sitting week before the election in November, but before they do, they'll all go to a special ceremony to swear allegiance to King Charles III. And finally, of course, our money will change as early as next year, so coins will change to the face of King Charles. Thank you so much for joining us on The Daily Oz today. I, out of the corner of my eyes, can see Billy frantically gesturing that she wants to say something. So, Billy, I'm going to throw to you quickly. Not frantically, very calmly, would like to say that every single morning I write a newsletter for The Daily Oz and it's just a wrap-up of the morning's headlines. I break it up into how much time you have. So if you've only got 10 seconds, there's a section in the newsletter for that. If you've got two minutes, there's a section for that. I would absolutely love if you would subscribe. The link to subscribe is in the show notes. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Have a great day.